Greetings, everyone. Thank you for joining us today on Turning a Moment into a Movement. I am Jay Love. I'm your host, and I represent the Justice for Gerard movement. Um, today, it's, um, we come to um, honor Gerard. For those who don't know, Gerard passed away June the 4th, 2022. So very unexpectedly, and it's it's been uh, hard on us, but we're pushing through because we com- we are committed to um, this movement for not just for Gerard, but for all of those who have been wrongfully convicted. We are committed to educating and inspiring and motivating. So we're here today to honor him and to honor the movement, and also to have, I'm going to bring on um, Reverend Tia. Hi, Reverend Tia. Well, hello there. Can you hear me okay? I hear you well. Oh, Jay, I tell you, I, um, great work. You are definitely one of my sheroes. And uh, I praise God for the Gerard movement. I think and believe and know that he has come and propelled us into purpose. Yeah. Even, Even when we didn't know. We didn't know. And acknowledging the obstacles and challenges that people go through when they're wrongfully convicted. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times people think, well, once you're out of prison or out of jail, that, that, okay, you're, you're good. Not, that's not the case. So I, you know, I just want to say thank you. I have such gratitude and love for you, for the movement, for everybody who has been on turning a moment into a movement. And I don't know if anybody else has felt it, but I just feel the urge to continue in purpose to change the narratives. I mean, I am the narrative transformer and I believe in changing every narrative that comes against us as a people, that comes against our families. And I believe that we are living in a time where we are choosing Mm -hmm. to take our families back. Right. We are choosing humanity. We are choosing life. We are choosing to love. We're choosing a better way of being. Yeah. And as you know, whatever I'm doing, um, I am the founder of the Choice Zone, helping people to transform those narratives. And through life coaching, I am also on many other, uh, well, not many. Because I have scaled it down, but I am a board member for Michigan Coalition of Human Rights, and um, also with the uh, Michigan Social Justice Network, 
And oh my goodness, a minister at Transforming Love Community, which is where we met. My whole life is about transformation. Yeah. When I look at it, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I tell you, I am so grateful for you for having me here, knowing uh, I know that it's not diff- it's not easy, you know, and I also know that Gerard's spirit is ushering us to continue to move. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Thank you, Robert Tia. Thank you. Hi, Attorney Hugo Matt. Well, J-Love, J-Love, you know, at what a joy and honor it is to see you again, Reverend Tia. I, I've missed y'all, you know, and, you know, J-Love, you know, uh, I love you to the bottom of my heart, J-Love, you know, and for what you stand for, for what you're doing. Uh, and I'm just proud to be back here again and, and, and thanking you. And, you know, I, you know, tends to be some kind of a, a, a levity kind of silly side to me at times, but, but I, know, I know y'all, please, Jay Love, like I said last time, don't kick me off. Please don't kick me off. I don't mean no harm. I don't mean no harm. So, 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 but it is, a, it is a, an occasion thinking about Gerard and I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to be a part of his life celebration. I, I was very honored and I wanna thank you. And I'm Hugo Mack, uh, attorney at law. Uh, didn't graduate magna cum laude, summa cum laude, but thank you, laude. And so that's a good thing for me. <laughs> you understand? See, look, ain't no false pretenses about me. I know the Holy Spirit, the only one got me through the bar exam. I tell you, yeah, his name ought to be on that degree, not mine. So, so that license, not mine. So, so, so I'm proud to be here uh, fighting for not only the wrongfully convicted, but the overly convicted. See, yeah. see, they're, they're, they're in a terrible class also, the overly convicted, you know? Uh, haven't had an experience myself, as, as you all know about. So, I, I, J Love, I'm I'm proud to be here, and I'm a I'm a be here. I'm at a remote location now, uh, so I'm not quite sure how long I'll be able to be on the show. But I'm gonna be here as long as I possibly can. And God bless both of y'all. God bless you too. Thank you, Attorney Hugo Mag. I missed you. <laughs> I missed you. I missed you. You too, Tia. You too, Tia. You know, hey, 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 Tia, with your car driving self. (laughs) (laughs) I missed you so much, so much. I'm so glad to be back. Glad to be back. Amen. Amen. Let's bring on Attorney Payne. Hi. Hi. Hello, everyone. Hello, counsel. How are you doing, Brother Matt? Good. Good. And Sister Tia. And well, hello there, sister, sister Payne. <laughs> Mama Payne, I don't care where I'm at, it's still Mama Payne. <laughs> and you are my baby. Yeah. Um, and for and for the mighty J Love. I uh it's good to be here with all of you. Um, Introduce yourself, Attorney Payne. Let everybody know what it is that you do. I am uh attorney Dorphine Payne. Uh, I uh, practice law I, I, because I'm focused on my purpose. Uh, I, I uh, learned that my purpose was, I was about uh, six or seven years old when I found 
that my purpose was to be a lawyer. Uh, and, um, and there were um, a lot of times when uh, I felt like I was being pulled off that purpose, but all of my life I stayed focused on that. And, and I'm doing what the Lord would have me do. Uh, and uh, I, I truly believe that he's called me to be here uh, at this time, at this moment, uh, working with uh, committed people, with people who are also working in the, uh, and moving their purpose. I practice, I, at my old age, I still practice um, uh, law and it is a practice, is it not, Brother Mac? <laughs> Amen. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it is not perfect. It's not perfect. And that's, that's why right. movements like this are necessary. Um, I, I uh, it's been uh, it's it's been hard for us, uh, all of us, all of our lives, whether we knew it was hard or not, and whether we recognize injustice or not. But it's been hard for us. And so uh, it's important for um, uh, uh, powerful people like Jay Love, uh, yeah. who decided not just to sit back in her uh, home and be angry and or upset about her son, but mm -hmm. even after she, she went out and fought for him, and even after mm -hmm. he was out, she kept fighting for others. Yeah. Um, and uh, we uh, we sh we are all called to do that. We just don't all answer the call like she does. And so we're grateful for her, uh, and even in her, uh, in a, even in the toughest time of her life, she still stands strong and keeps moving forward. Um, we admire her. I certainly admire her and respect her highly for all that she does, and I'm so grateful for her. I'm grateful for you too, Attorney Payne. Thank you. And I see Mr. Hakeem is here, so I'm going to bring him home. Hello, Mr. Hakeem. Good evening. Hello. Sorry about that. Thank you. Um, hi, Tia, uh, Brother Mac, and um, pleased to meet you, Attorney um, Payne. I heard everyone's um, blowing. Um, Revelations, and now, yeah, I, I second everything that you all said about um, Jay Love. It's 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 wonderful to see that you're doing this as a legacy for your son, and it's a very selfless act. And um, I can't sing enough praises for you for all that you have done and you are doing in terms of bringing awareness um, to um, the wrong issues involving wrongful convictions. Because I'm a I'm a paralegal. I don't do a lot of criminal law. I work at a civil law firm in the Detroit area. The criminal stuff, I've done a few cases I did on my own because I was stirred to act, um, thinking that, knowing that the, the outrageous things that happen, it just cannot be. It, we, can't, we can't roll over and pretend and, 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 and act like it's okay. And what Attorney Payne was saying, I, I, I agree, but I want to add to that, that uh, lawyers and paralegals, we don't make the law. We, we, we like to think we uphold it and we in the courtroom, but the real change comes from people like what you are doing, J-Love, and bringing awareness and holding judges and legislators accountable who make the laws. So I'm glad to be here, and I'm, um, I, uh, I'm, I'm sorry to hear about your son. And I, I, um, it, even, after, even after that, what you're doing it, 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 as a legacy uh, in his memory is just remarkable. And, um, 
I, I, um, I wish God, I wish you Godspeed, um, peace and, and, and consolation uh, through it all. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Hakeem. You're welcome. <sighs> okay. So we're going to talk a little bit about, um, um, I did um, a small, a short um, video. And so I guess this would probably be a good time to play that video. And then we are going, we're leading to the. Um, let's see. I want to leave my footprints on the sands of time Know there was something that meant something that I left behind When I leave this world, I'll leave no regrets Leave something to remember so they won't forget I was here Oh, everyone will know 
Thank you, everyone. Thank you for being a part of the movement. And for Gerard, you know, everything to build this movement. Uh, Attorney Hugo Manette. Yes. Can you can you can you hear me, J Lo? Yeah, I can hear you. You know, you know when I was at the ceremony, the the homegoing ceremony, you know, we were not alone. You know, Gerard's spirit is there. But you know, the kindred spirits were there too, J-Love. We didn't see them, but the kindred spirits were there too. You know, Medgar Evers, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, you know, because I take my scripture quite seriously. You know, the host of heaven was there, J-Love. And I'm gonna tell you this. I mean, I just have to say this right in my heart. There is no power in the world as great as a praying, loving mama. You hear me? Yeah. No power in the world as great as a praying and loving mother, you know? And when I see you and what you've done, you've had every reason to stop, J-Love, and nobody could have blamed you, you know? Nobody could have blamed you. But here we are again, you know? And, and you know, Gerard, I never had the pleasure of meeting him, you know? but I certainly know about him. I certainly know about him. I know about him through you, you know? And I know what he lived and gave his life for, because let me tell you something. I just want to say this, okay. you know, my scripture teaches me for 400 years, 400 years, the children of Israel was in bondage in the iron furnace, a country we call Egypt, 400 mm -hmm. years, you know? 25 generations conceived in slavery, born in slavery, lived in slavery, died in slavery, and did not see the, the, the liberation. But it came because God is beyond time and space. So I'm saying Gerard's spirit will see the liberation of people that have been wrongfully convicted. And when that liberation comes for them, it will come for the rest of us, J-Love. Please remember that. Please remember that, honey, because is there. And the last thing Gerard would want us to do is to stop. <laughs> That's the last thing he'd want us to do is to, yeah. is to stop, you know? So I love you and, and I'm here. I love all y'all. I love all y'all. Love you too. Love you too, uh, uh, Tony Mac. Rabbiteer, go ahead. I tell you, Jay, um, I know that wasn't my first time seeing, but each time, it, it just is filled with so much truth in the walk. And as I watched it again, um, to 
realize the steps that you had to take. The anger that you went through as a mother trying to protect, you know, mothers from the beginning always try to protect the their loved ones. And like what Reverend Shahira Stevens says, this is bigger than us all. And it's true. His purpose, our purpose our purposes are often intertwined with one another so that we can accomplish great things and leave it for the next generation. And Gerard, along with so many other souls, are crying out that change is not only necessary, it is now. Mm-hmm. It is right now. And it is now and it's high time for us to begin to see something different. In order for us to make change, we have to know and see and believe that change is possible. Mm-hmm. And get into that possibility and understand the repercussions of when we don't. Our time is now. Yeah. Our time is now. And I'm so grateful for Gerard. He was such a quiet spirit. Powerful, quiet spirit. And the steps that you took to have your voice heard, to be an advocate for your son, to advocate for others in the process of advocating for your son to do things that you've never done before and to connect and allow spirit to connect you with people who knew the answers. There are answers and solutions. Yeah. And it first starts within us. Yeah. I'm so grateful. I'm grateful as well. I'm grateful for you, uh, Reverend Tia. Attorney Payne. Well, I, I was I, I was touched by that, um, especially when I saw him as a little boy. Um, and I, a mother like you, um, I mean, everybody sees that big grown-up guy, you know, but we see them in all of the stages of their lives and uh, in all of the different ways they were. Um, We see them as not just um, like others uh, believe that uh, we're the sum of the worst that we've ever done, but we know better. Mm -hmm. We know we're not. Uh, uh, That's not all of who we are, the worst that we've ever done. Uh, and you as a mother know who him in the most intimate way uh, that uh, any of our children can be known. Uh, you held him in, inside of you and birthed him and, and reared him up. And um, there's nothing like that. There's nothing in the world like that. And you knew he was worth it. Every single thing that you do, you knew he was worth it. Uh, and you've walked in a um, 
a resurrectional power. Uh, the power of the resurrection that that gives you the power to do anything. Um, um, you've walked in that. Uh, that's the only way you could have you could have kept going through all of that you've been going through, and yet and continue to walk. Um, I'm so impressed by that, um, by the fact that. Um, there's that kind of power walking around in all of us. That power, you know, that power that uh, God's power through the promise of Jesus Christ, that a God who stepped out on nothing and created this entire universe, you have that power walking around in you. And it's you displaying it in such incredible ways. Um, it's just a privilege to be a part of this. And, um, and I thank God for you and how you've um, been a light for all of us um, um, and allowed Gerard, uh, allowed us to share in Gerard a little bit. Um, we thank God for you. And we, uh, I like um, Attorney Mac, uh, know that he's in the cloud of witnesses, continuing to watch all that you do um, and uh, is proud of you. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Attorney Payne. And I'm gonna go to uh, Mr. Abdul. I just wanna add that um, I'll add on to what everybody else has said, and it's sort of, in, in my experience, it reminds me of how many times I've had mothers cry to me in the cases that I have worked on, and how, you know, a mother's prayer is a powerful weapon that is true, and when the whole world turns its back on you, a mother won't. People call your child a criminal, a thug, and everything else the courts, people out in the, out, in the, out in the community. But who is always in your corner other than God is your mother. Yeah. I've had mothers cry to me and it's sort of, you know, and I try to break through all the legalese and just break it down to them and say, you know, I do the best I can and even that's not good enough. But I make no mistake in saying that it is really beyond my power when you have corrupt judges and prosecutors and dirty cops who think that innocent people's lives are dispensable and, and, and it's just business as usual. Right. And this is the conflict internally for me that I have in trying to separate being professional from being angry and knowing that you can't sit there and tell me this is normal, this is acceptable, and throw up all these procedural bars and treat these brothers and sisters, and that's what they are to me, like nothing, while I have to hear mothers crying and look a child in his eyes and tell him I did the best I could for your dad, I can't, I, they, they won't let him go. And it's, 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 
yeah, I'm getting emotional now because like I said, my, I've seen it and I feel it and it makes me sick. It makes me angry. And, but I also know that, but in, 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 in a good way, it makes me fight harder. Yeah. Because there is an emotional expense to all this with, with a system as arbitrary and capricious as this that throws away people's lives and think that nobody's gonna gonna make gonna raise a fuss and hoop and holler for them. Well, they're wrong when it comes to me. I think you'll know that by now. <laughs> and that's why I'm not well liked, and I, I take that as a, a badge of honor. But I just um, tip my hat to you as as you're you're the epitome of a mother who is a real fighter, Jay. Devontae Sanford's mother was a, is another living example of that. We held so many rallies for him. Even in the cold, we couldn't even get 20 people out there in a city where concerts were sold out. But he was what I called at the time Detroit's forgotten child, but I was always there with him and his mother and his family out there. and said, I don't care if we just get a handful of people, we're gonna make some noise and we're gonna get some changes. And we did. So I thank you for uh, keeping this, keeping keeping the movement going. It is important to raise awareness. It is important to stress to people that the fight is not only in the courtroom; it has to come at the ballot. You got to hold these ju judges and legislators are dependent on people being willfully ignorant, not knowing what the real issues are, and just voting on name recognition. No, you got to let them know, I know what the issue is, and I know what innocence means, and I know what corruption means, and I'm, uh, and I'm not going to accept it. So that's why we should continue raising awareness like we do. Yes. Thank you, Mr. Hakeem. I know Attorney Hugo Matt, um, I'm sure that you can speak on the trauma of incarceration and why it is so important for us to continue to have these conversations. Yeah. Um, well, Jay Love, I can speak from it professionally and personally. <laughs> okay. And see, and you know, one of the things that we often overlook. And one of the things I think it's built into the system for juries and judges not to understand is the trauma that a person suffers by their gender, by their race, by their economic status, okay, uh, by their sexual identity, by their religion, before they get in the system, period, period, okay? Because one thing that I've really tried to express is that you've got to understand the vestiges of slavery that puts a bullseye on every black and brown man's back from the moment of birth. And Gerard was no different, okay? You know, when the doctors gave you that boy and you know, you washed him and cared for him, you may not have physically seen a bullseye on his back, but I assure you it was there. I assure you it was there. And so, the thing of it is, is that with the trauma, uh, and, uh, and by the way, uh, uh, poor whites also, you know, and 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 and, and you know, and, and Arabs and 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 Muslims, you know, and 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 you know, Armenians. I mean, uh, Native Americans. Okay, anybody that fits into that category of other, because in the United States is two categories: it's white and other, you know, and 
and, and I feel sorry for my um, Hispanic brothers and sisters or my, my light complexion Muslim Arabic brothers and sisters uh, and my Chinese brothers and sisters who think because they're not black, they're somehow hybrid white. Wrong, wrong, wrong. So what, what I'm saying is, is that addressing the trauma of it, we need to understand where we come from before we get into the system because the, the, the deck is stacked before we even play. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I know what I'm talking about. So what I'm saying is, and then coming into a system that by and large has automatically presumed you guilty because you got a public defender, by and large presume you guilty because people find out that you was raised by your mama and, you know, daddy wasn't around, or, you know, you know, mama got babies by two or three different kids, you know, and, and you know, you, you live on the south side of Ypsilanti, you know, instead of Manchester. Okay, so these things are all traumatic before we even get into the system. And once we are in the system, once again, I'm going to keep saying it till the day I die. We have an endemic plague known as mental illness running through the African-American community. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Okay. And so, so, so what I'm saying is when you add that trauma to it, J-Love, it's almost a situation that it's impossible to win. I mean, even if a person is acquitted, J-Love, even if a person is acquitted, there is still a police record. Of course, you know that, don't you? You know, see, the, the, the police report doesn't get expunged, J-Love, you know? It, you know, and once something is out in the media, whether that person's name is Devante, you know, Stanford, or O.J. Simpson or whatever, once it's in the media and the internet, it is there forever, forever, okay? So even with a person that is acquitted, the trauma and stigma of, you know, with just a technicality, you know it was, or you know the jury just felt sympathetic for you, you know it was, that's all that is. So yeah, and, and um, please, let's not start talking about the trauma once you get into the system, okay? You know, something I can tell you about from personal experience, once you get in the system, you become a number. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a number in my mind that is etched forever, 232506. And I tell you, that ain't no state bar number, J-Love, okay? You know, it was an entity of the state that gave me that number, but it dang sure wasn't state bar, okay? <laughs> okay, it was the MDOC. So, so what I'm telling you is, is that that is for real, you know? And, you know, I can, I can laugh about it now, but it dang sure wasn't funny at the time. Oh, so, so I still have that number. When you go to look that number up, J-Love, you know, there's Hugo Mac right there. They will keep that there forever, you know? So uh, the trauma continues and coming out, you can't get no job. You know, you discriminated against in housing, you discriminated against in employment. You've got that stigma. So those are the unknown consequences or unspoken consequences that's got trauma written all over it that'll follow a particular person of color for the rest of their life, J-Love. Yeah. Right. Go ahead, Attorney Payne. Well, um, I, I, you know, I think of um, all uh, just piggybacking on on Attorney Mack. He's absolutely right. You know, in fact, I think that recently um, the Bureau of Medicaid Policy within DHHS uh, has has recently. Uh, 
put forth an update uh, that deals with the social determinants that uh, determine that that impact health, uh, not just mental health, but physical health. Um, and, and certainly one of those determinants is race. Uh, and it's a major part and it's, and, and it's the legal system. Those are major determinants in our community uh, mm -hmm. that impact our mental health and our physical health. Um, uh, we have to understand those things as we, as those determinants, as we are raising children, uh, as we are sending them to school every day, as we are dealing with public systems uh, that um, uh, systemically um, uh, impact our children and our families. Uh, you know, they don't just get profiled by police uh, as they walk down the street, but as they walk uh, down hallways in school, uh, and they and they continue to go through that their entire lives. And then we wonder why uh, they don't do well in school. That why they feel as though the entire world is against them, and they want to fight back. And when they can't fight back against uh, someone, they fight each other, and they shoot each other, and they and they damage. Uh, their own families and their own uh, in and in their own homes and their own communities. Um, it is pervasive, and we have to continually fight against that. We have to we have to stay vigilant. We have to stay uh, prayed up, but we have to stay uh, informed and understand what's going on around us, and then educate those around us. Uh, it's all a part of the fight against injustice and systemic racism uh, in the criminal system. And I don't, I no longer call it the criminal justice system. It's the criminal system uh, and uh, school systems and uh, all of those systems that um, impact us uh, and our communities, whether we're uh, and 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 one of the things that we all know and understand is that it's not just uh, in Kalamazoo. It's the north side, you know, and everyone focuses on the north side of Kalamazoo. But it's not just the north side. Uh, for those of us who don't live on the north side, it doesn't matter because wherever we are, we're still black and we're still uh, Muslim. And we're still Hispanic and Latina, and we're still um, uh, Asian, and we're still treated differently. Um, we have to we have to educate um, the all of our brothers and sisters, and we have to stay uh, united and be willing to fight for each other um, and stand up for each other. So I I'm I'm with. I'm with uh, Brother Hakeem. I'm I'm with him. I'm, I'm not the most popular attorney in the courtrooms here, but <laughs> I too wear that as a badge of honor. Uh, I don't want them loving me. 
I want them respecting me and listening to me. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. I'll it to you. <laughs> I tell you, this, this is a, a wonderful conversation because, um, you know, look, and looking at Gerard and what he had gone through and really being close to the situation, it, it did educate me because the closer a person is to you, the more involved. Mm -hmm. And the more involved you become, the more knowledgeable you become. And, and the thing is, is that a lot of times we don't want to deal with the truth. We don't want to see the truth. And in, in order for us to move beyond it, we have to see what's going on and acknowledge what is, mm -hmm. what, what is happening. But don't acknowledge it as if it is something normal, like Abdul Hakim has, says, has said. We cannot normalize it. This is not normal. And with all the people that go into the system, you the studies prove that they come out worse that mental health is at stake when you become incarcerated and you are not considered a person you are no longer you are considered a slave let's be clear let's be clear that the the constitution does not refer to you once you become incarcerated because you can be enslaved. And that's why the Constitution says uh, slavery is not okay for citizens, but it is okay if you're a prisoner. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, knowing this, we have dehumanized people. We've, and we've dehumanized people who are in poverty. We dehumanize people who are marginalized you know whether whether it's a minority and you know what who says it's a minority anyway okay let me be clear on this we're not minorities minority thank you Uncle. no we're not minorities minority. okay we're not a minority but we believe the narrative and we keep saying and accepting that we're a minority, minority. That's the first stop not we're not never were we're not if we look around the globe we are not it's time for us to take our power back and we do that by destroying every narrative that there is and also understanding how people are criminalized legally because they're different. Because they're different. Mm -hmm. yes. and, and it starts in grade school. It starts in grade school. Children do it. So we can make a stance right now and we can turn things around and we can really look at policy we can really look at practice. We can really look at what our <laughs> civil servants are doing and then decide if they're really serving. 
And if they're not, fire them. Fire them. If I'm on a job and I and I don't do well, I get fired. But we've been keeping them over and over and over again. And they we're paying them to incarcerate them. That's right. We can make a change. And, and do you love it? if I could just say this one thing, you know. I heard somebody quote somebody who said one time, we have become comfortably numb. You know, we have become comfortably numb. You know, and, and I'm talking specifically to black people right now. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Okay. You got a city like Detroit, at least 75% black, at least. Okay. But yet you've got people who will continue as, as my sister Reverend Tia said, will continue not only to support, but finance their own demise, all right? You know, I've got mixed feelings about in 2018, them saying recreational marijuana was cool in the state of Michigan, all right? Well, it might be cool for the stoners and the potheads, but I tell you what, it ain't cool for no black businessman or woman trying to get in on that industry. It ain't cool for them, okay? so. Once again, when it comes to the weed, the head shops in Detroit and Wayne County, black people, the number one consumers, but own a don't don't own a doggone thing. Other 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 than a roach clip, you know, you know what I'm saying? And 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 a used uh, baggie. That's what that's what we own. Some roach clips and some used baggies. Okay, you know, and then when we go in, you know, thanking the people that's making money off us. And being a repeat customer, <laughs> black people got a hell of a mojo on us, boy. We got a hell of a mojo on us, boy. <laughs> Excuse my language. So, so all I'm saying is, J Love, part of the problem is us. You know, when I heard Brother King talking about they couldn't get twenty people, tw are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Oh, they got more people lined up for that to get government cheese. Are you kidding me? So you can't get twenty people to come out. And, and support not only a boy, but what that boy stands for, knowing that could be your grandson or your son, really sad commentary. It's sad. Sad, sad commentary. Yeah, we say this, all, I say it all the time. It can happen to anyone. Yeah. That's it's right. It's not gender specific or person specific or anything. It can happen to anyone at any time. And as you look at Designerations that's been happening lately. It's it, a lot of it is corruption, you know, misinformation, uh, um, eyewitness misidentification, uh, just a lot of corruption. So if you sit back and say nothing and do nothing, you're opening the door for it to happen to you that's right. or someone you love. So we can't just, you know, this is um, an opportunity for every one of us to be, you know, to stand up for something. Because as you can see, <laughs> it's happening daily. And when, when you see these people fighting for lawsuits, you know, for their wrongful convictions, that's nothing. We're talking about the, the mindset of being in, institutionalized. You know, my son 
spent most of his time in there not sleeping. You know, he felt like he couldn't go to sleep, like he had to stay up and he only would sleep a few hours during the day. Do you know what that does to the brain? Um, I was talking to someone and they were telling me that, you know, there has been studies when um, done that shows that uh, brain without sleep looks like a brain that's on drugs, mm -hmm. you know. But these are things that's part of the trauma and the triggers that people go to that go unacknowledged. You know that we don't even talk about. We just send people back out and expect for them to get right back to life. But there are so many things that needs to be done. Um, Reverend Tia and I was talking, having a conversation just on the day about the mental health, and that we are in a, a state of a, it be a state of emergency in in our community. But it just a lot of times goes on. A knowledge until something happens or some kid is walking down the street just shooting random people for just absolutely no reason and we it's too late to have the conversation so um mr hakeem what well, it's like brother hugo max said and probably that's why we only had 20 people 30 people at, at two or three rallies we held for Devonte, but it's still what, what he said is we're, we're, we become numbed to it. The information was put out there. Everybody knows the case was in the media. We put news releases out there. And it was a shame that it didn't, it, it didn't stir the city to act. But when he got out, he became popular. It should not have come to that. And, and we, we see the problem is we react, right? We're not proactive. And, we're, and we react when these things happen. We always like to think, oh, it's not going to happen to my son. It's not going to happen to me. Oh, don't you? Oh, come on. They put a 14-year-old innocent kid in prison. What do you think they would do to you? And, 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 but the, that, that, it's, I, still, I still can't get over that. I said, a city of a million people, we can only get 20 or 30 people out here. This, this, this is terrible. I was like, what is wrong here? And but it's, okay, that's over with. And you, and he went through eight years. Guards tortured him. Inmates beat him. It was it wasn't a vacation. And then he came out. He was already um, uh, uh, suffering some you know diminished mental issues when he went in. Can you imagine? Because I know what it was when he came out. The prisons are breeding ground of criminal behavior. There's no love in there. And I'll tell you something else. I think the problem is, and, it call, and it, it, what I also noticed is, in terms of mental health of people who are going through these, who go through incarceration, they seem to, a lot of them seem to come out with this heightened mental illness of paranoia, this lack of trust. They, and and it, they're, it, 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 <laughs> And, and, and I just, I just don't like the idea of these judges and these prosecutors treating these issues as, oh, and this business as usual, and there's no accountability, and, and and the solution is throw money at the problem, just pay them and have a good day. Um, but what what can we do as a community other than you know show them love and support and let them know that 
you know, this is not normal. And, you know, we're sorry this happened, but we can't, we got to stop reacting when these things happen. We've got to fight for change. And I've been saying this so many times, I get sick and tired of these repeat offender officers still holding their jobs and still interrogating people, still working, getting a pension. They should be put in prison. They should be put in prison. If you or I do, you or I did the things these cops do, tampering with witnesses, tampering with evidence, we would be charged with a felony. Why aren't they charged? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and can I can I say something here uh, okay. when, when everybody else is done? Yeah. Um, along the line of what the brother was just talking about, you know, J-Love, a lot of the imagery that our young people get is from television, mm-hmm. you know? And when I was growing up back in the day, they would talk about the, the television is unpaid babysitter, hmm. okay? And, and what I'm saying is, I made joke of this in my campaign for county prosecutor, but it really, it really wasn't funny. Um, I grew up in that age with the Flintstones and the Jetsons, you know? coming on coming on and stuff and i've always said it was funny to me the program and i went through as a child without even really knowing it the flintstones i didn't see no black people on the flintstones i saw fred i saw barney i saw wilma i saw betty i saw bam bam i saw pebbles i saw mr slade or whatever whatever on the people there in the rock quarry i didn't see mr blackstone on there well, no, Mr. Blackstone, you know, so what I'm saying is, is that for me, you know, I laugh at it, but it's really not funny. But So I realized when I saw that, I saw zero black people. So I grew up thinking, you know, for two feet and all that. Okay, so that's what the cartoon cave people look like. And then at the same time, they had the Jetsons. You know, here's George Jetson, a daughter, Judy, Jane, his wife, his boy, Elroy. Okay, they didn't even have a black dinosaur dino wasn't black he wasn't black and then with the jetsons astro he wasn't no black dog you know talk with a slur might might have been from the hood so all i'm trying to say is is this i saw no black people there either so what i'm saying is that subliminal kind of thing in tarzan king of the jungle was another white man within five thousand miles he was whipping everybody so all i'm saying is those subliminal messages that are racist from the inception and we learned to do that and i've started watching uh criminal uh i mean law and order svu right and and criminal intent and all that when they show the things the police do in terms of lying to people when they show the things people police do come and grabbing people by their collar pushing them up against the wall in the interrogation room when they show the police planting stuff on people and pulling guns harassing people we become normalized to that Okay, Mm -hmm. so when we hear about police jacking somebody up, well, they do it on SVU, uh, Law and Order. Ain't nothing wrong with that. And it's even our own people (laughs) that that are buying into that. So we've got to deprogram our whole society into things that we visualize that we say is entertainment. But it's really programming, J. Love and crew, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. It's really programmed. Well. Yeah, I, I just need to respond to the whole issue around the Flintstones and the Jetsons. The reason why you didn't see black folk 
it with the Flintstones because they were in Europe and they were living in caves. And when they were living in clay, caves, black folk were in Africa doing cataract surgery. So we were right. not like that. You know, so so I, I just need you to know that it was two different societies and we were not the inferior one. So, so right, I, right. I, I and appreciate you know, that they're and, not including you know, us in that madness. Um, right. But, but you're right. We were not. We were never told the truth, uh, and so that's part of the problem. And when they start talking about critical race theory, don't talk. You don't have to talk to my kids or my grandkids in grade school about critical race theory because that belongs in law school. But you should tell them the truth, and you should if you if you don't want to tell them the truth, in in and and talk about the entire world truth, then you need to talk about what happened in this country and tell them the truth about that. They don't even want to talk about that. They don't want to talk about what they did to the Indians, the Native Americans. They don't want to talk about what they did to the Asians when they came over here and how they treated them. They didn't want to talk about and who built this country. They don't want to talk about African slaves. They don't want to tell the truth so that our children can be deprogrammed. It's up to us to make sure that they learn. The other problem, though, is that I, you're right. We've been lulled into some false sense of security. If black people think that is not going to happen to them, they are sorely mistaken, uh, because they will pick up an affluent black child uh, at college and any place else any time they want to, and then all of a sudden, there you are with all the rest of the people that you looked at and looked down upon. It's, it's, right. it's suicide, it's suicide. Mm -hmm. and, and we have got to stop being complacent. That's why it's wrong to sit on a different side of town and think it's not gonna happen to me. Because that's simply, one, one of our judges here in town, black judge said that he was traveling through downtown at two o'clock in the morning and and uh, he was on his way because his son had called him. His car, uh, just as he was coming off 94, got stopped. And he was traveling over through town to get to his son to help him with his car, 2 o'clock in the morning, and, the, and was stopped by the police. And, and the police wanted to know what he was doing <laughs> traveling to, through downtown at two o'clock in the morning. Where was he going? And the judge said, that's none of your business. <laughs> what was, why did you stop me? There was no reason to stop him. He was stopped because he was driving while black. You know, so, so and he was a judge. <laughs> so he, he talks about that and he tells that story to affluent black people so that we understand, don't sit back and act like, you know, act like you're um, uh, not going to be a part of the maltreatment. You know, don't right. don't do that, uh, and don't pretend as though you haven't been. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why we have to step up and start and stop treating people who may not be living as well as we do like they're less than we are. That's uh, right. Uh, right. we, we, we are all we are all the same 
and mm-hmm. and um and 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 trust and believe that money doesn't get your your children out of any trouble not if you're black now it may be it may get Donald Trump's kids out of some trouble it may get uh somebody some rich white person's kids out of some trouble it may but but and and by the way I don't want their children treated like this either I don't want them treated like me I want to be treated like them you know I want the justice and the grace that they receive I want that same thing for kids like Gerard. I want that same thing for children who uh, who are of any race, any nationality, any religion. I want us all to be treated with the same justice that a Donald Trump gets treated. Mm-hmm. And, and so until we start standing up and demanding those kinds of things, it's never going to happen. I love the the quote that um, uh, things never change until things change. I mean, you know, it, it, it it's going to stay the same. <laughs> and so uh, we got to stop allowing them to say, "Well, let's just hope for the best." Right. No. Right. We need to ask for the best. Right. We can demand the best. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we can demand the best. Go ahead, Mr. Abdul. And stop letting them. It took me. It took me into my adult years. I'm ashamed to say, to stop letting them t- tell you you are a minority. Yes. Look at the pyramids that were built in Egypt. The best scientists, the best mathematicians, they didn't build that stuff. And so you. You come from kings and queens of Africa. Come on. So be proud. Yeah, be proud of that. Yeah. Even me as a Hispanic raised by an African-American man, you know, it it was normal for us to think, oh, yeah, we're a minority. And I thought as I got older, I thought how demeaning that word is. Just how demeaning the N word is. Even when I hear it among them calling themselves that. No, you're brothers and sisters. You came from kings and queens. They made you forget that, yeah. but you can go back to that yeah. and be proud and be proud of that, because they, they were living in caves while you were already in the science and mathematics. That's right. Yes. And 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 yeah, your blood, sweat, and tears built this country. That's right. And yet they always talk about get over it. But they don't. They 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 don't want. They don't want to forget 9/11. And, and it was a bad. It was bad what happened on 9/11. But how many holocausts have they committed? Oh. And then have the audacity to tell us to get over it. Right. When they haven't paid for their crimes, and they when they haven't paid, even the crimes today, where they think, you know, you were. The attitude is you you were born with a curse on you if you weren't the right color. And once they push you through their criminal justice system, the, the deck is stacked against you, like Brother Hugo Max said. And I also, in my older years, I'm, I'm near retirement, and I, 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 ho- I had hoped to retire, believing in the justice system, that it is equitable, that it is blind, that it is equal justice under the law, as, as it says on the face of the Supreme Court, that is a colossal lie in this country. That is a colossal, that's a grand lie 
when you can you think that you have the right to throw away people's lives through, through the corruption and the arbitrary and capricious nature of this justice system the way you do. Right, that's why so that's why we come here and have these conversations to trigger that thought, you know, when we're talking about the critical race theory. And we we don't have to beg them to teach that to our kids. That's our duty to make sure our kids understand our history. You know, and, and I get and also it's our duty to learn it ourselves. So we can make sure, you know, because they haven't been teaching us our history. They've just been teaching us what it is that they want us to know. But that's our duty as parents, as elders, to teach the babies. Because as you see, they're going into schools and they're criminalized little elementary students. They're pulling fourth, third graders out and putting them in patrol cars and taking them to the police station like babies. So that's why it's so important to educate, to understand the system, to not walk around here, act like you are oblivious to the truth. You know, it's our duty to understand and learn. Right. And let's stop passing judgment on each other. Yeah. When someone is charged with a crime, I, you know, as 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 um, Attorney Payne and Attorney Matt will agree, it's one thing to talk about the presumption of innocence. <laughs> Maybe I'm naive. I do believe in that, and I'll give you a perfect example. This was on the news here in Detroit about. Not even maybe six years ago, there was this young man charged with murder and raping his own daughter. Uh, mm -hmm. Lillian represented him, Lillian Diallo. Yeah. He was lynched on yeah. Facebook. At the arraignment, people were, were lusting for his blood. Mm -hmm. Because why? The sensationalism. Oh, a three-year-old girl. Oh, he did it. I mean, it was people in the city of Detroit on Facebook ready to, ready to you know, they, they had already... Convicted him. Yeah, they showed no grace to him. Based on allegations, based on the arrest. And I'm thinking, I, and I try to tell a few people on Facebook, look, this, I, I don't know what it was, but maybe it was something instinctive. I said, I think this man is innocent. He, this was his own daughter. He was pouring out. He was, he was, he nearly collapsed at his own arraignment. He was trying as best as he could to yell out his innocence. Thankfully, he, Lillian Diallo represented him. She got an independent autopsy done, which confirmed that the baby was not sexually assaulted, was not murdered, it was an accidental death, and guess what, Kim Worthy dropped the charges. But this is, that's an example of what Hugo Matt was saying earlier, that we become normalized, we become numb to, to and, we, and we accept it as normal that, oh yeah, we're all, we're, you, you know, well, well, he did it. You know, this is what they want us, they, they got us treating each other like that. Right. They got us. They got us. They got us passing judgment on each other like that. Hold it. Wait a minute. The presumption of innocence means just that. If you were in his shoes and you know you're innocent, you don't want to hear. You don't want to hear people convicting you. So give it. Give justice a chance. When he was when when the charges were dropped, I went back to everybody I could think of on Facebook <laughs> and told them, "You owe you owe this man an apology. You owe you owe." You owe your audience an apology. You convicted this man. But that's an example of what I'm saying, that they got us passing judgment on each other as well. Mm -hmm. and, that, and that's the 
self self hate, I guess. Yeah, that's the and, at, and 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 to the legal ear, we don't like to hear that, right? We don't like to hear that, and I don't like to hear people who pass judgment when the presumption of innocence still holds. And so that that was, right. that case was a perfect example. It made me so angry. Right. Because I was, I, I, I was in the minority, like I always am. I don't mean by race. I'm talking about in, in terms of, I was fighting for this kid on Facebook and everybody was ganging up on me, but nobody had nothing to say when the charges were dropped. Right, right, right. Uh, Jay Love, if I could just interject one thing, if you don't mind, along that line, um, something I'm wanting to say, and that is about uh, supporting the police. So is it is it okay for me to say that now? Yeah. Go ahead, you can say it. Okay, you know, part of the thing that I think that we have fallen victim to is getting into a really false discussion um, about, well, defunding the police, eliminate the police, and then support for the police. Because what, what's happened is now they've tried to make that into a political uh football for their benefit saying, well, these people are saying to fund the police. So next time somebody breaking your house, you know, call a tramp or, or a hobo. Okay. <laughs> and what I'm saying is we've got to be so careful not to get into false equivalencies. Okay. So I, I can say defund the police. I'm not, you know, and not mean eliminate police altogether. I mean, put funds in other areas in mental health and in and, and activities after school in tutoring and housing that's what see when they try to get me in that trap you know i let them i let them know that's what i'm talking about you know and so another thing that i think we we need to be very careful of do not let people get away with saying they support and the police and law and order and they are trashing the fbi for executing a search warrant in Mar-a-Lago. Don't let people get by with talking about how much they support law and order and law enforcement when they support people that are threatening the FBI themselves, themselves. You see what I'm saying? So um, I just think that we in, you know, in activist community have got to be ready, willing, and able to confront these people with their hypocrisy, okay? Because when it comes to saying that Officer Johansson should not have gone upside Kareem's head with that nightstick, or you ain't supporting the police, you ain't supporting law enforcement. But when it says the FBI executed a legally authorized search warrant for documents, uh, it ain't nothing but a witch hunt. You know, it ain't nothing but a witch hunt. So, and you know, we've fallen victim to that. We've let them control the narrative too long. We've got to start saying the narrative ourselves and don't get off our point. Exactly. Yes, and we, you know what, and with that, we need journalists who do the same. Yeah. Right. And I'm, I'm begging people to become thinkers, critical thinkers, have critical thought. Use your intuition along with your knowledge. Do the research before you come up and back a narrative. Because a lot of times we're functioning in society according to whatever narrative was the narrative of the day. And then they change it. Right. And they make it right. political. And when something right. becomes political, it's not coming into your pocket. You're not getting paid. That's for somebody else to get paid. Right. The That's minute right. it becomes political, somebody got paid and you didn't. And let me tell you, it is political at your expense. That's right. That's right. 
expense. That's right. It's at our expense. That's right. So they're they're making money at our expense. The jails right. are privatized. They make money at our expense. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. So when we say defund, I'm talking defund those corporations too. Mm -hmm. All right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's defund right. the corporations, defund the police, defund the whole system, reallocate funding. So that is like like a term everybody here has said, but reallocate the funding so that it promotes well-being in the community. That's right. They know right. we need more behavioral health workers to help people with mental illness. They know this. That's right. And we That's don't right. have it. They know That's they right. could collaborate and have people to support people who have mental health conditions, even at in churches. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We can do that. Yeah. That's right. We can do right. it at community centers. That's right. They're That's starting right. to do it in some of the, the educational uh, facilities in, in schools. Not at the, and depending on how much money is allocated to that school. That's the difference. Whether I go to one school in a in an urban area and go to another school that that is highly um, wealthy with with dollars with whatever Michigan dollars that they're supposed to be giving the schools from the lottery that I don't hardly ever see. But though that money, when I go to other schools and you can see that nine thousand one hundred dollars per student is allocated to a school. Mm -hmm. And we get probably less than half than that in inner city schools. That's sure. a problem. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I that is a huge problem. Uh, not just um, fund providing funds for healthcare workers uh, and and mental health workers, but culturally competent ones. Um, most of the children in, in our juvenile home here in Kalamazoo in our residential placement program, uh, they, they send along people, they, they have a therapist, therapist there, but they're not culturally competent. And the children don't relate to them and they don't trust them and they don't benefit from any therapy that they receive for them. So they, it's like a revolving door. They go through that program, successfully complete it, and then come out and do the same thing they did when they, when they, that got them there before. And here they come again. And, and I, I, uh, uh, I got, I've gotten angry a few times in court and challenged the court. And at one, and one of my hearings, I just said, well, you know, what's the recidivism rate of this program? Do you know they said it was 90%? 90% recidivism rate. I said, and you want to send my client back into that program? Um, isn't that the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. What are we doing here? And then we're we're wringing our hands and and screaming and hollering about the violence in our community and the gun violence and, and all these things that these young people are doing. Well, we are the insane ones because we keep 
doing this silly stuff with them and they and they do they i have this <laughs> i have you know those clients those brother hakeem those clients those gifts that keep on giving you know i have those clients that just keep coming and coming and coming and i'm it and and if it weren't i mean if it weren't so depressing it would be funny because because the court helps me out helps me uh uh put more money in my retirement account but but it doesn't help the kids, the safety of the community, the safety of their families. It doesn't help anything or anyone, but whoever pocket, who's ever pockets the, the money for the therapy goes into and the people that are running those programs. It doesn't help. And, I, I, and eventually those kids will age out and go to prison. And then we'll sit around and wonder why, you know. And so, I, I, you know, we never look to our own systems for the reasons. Mm -hmm. um, and and they get really impatient in court. They don't like it, you know. But um, I, you know, I'm the only black person, black attorney, so <laughs> I'm the only one that brings it up. <laughs> <laughs> and and so of course they say, well, there's their attorney pain goes again with, with that race stuff. Well, it's not just the black kids, it's all of them. <laughs> now, 80% of them are black, but you know, but but all of them. It's the same thing with all of them. And it's just sad. Yeah. Because what we're talking about, if if it's addressed in the black community, it would be addressed across the board. Everyone benefits. You better believe it. You better believe it. And the reverse is true. White, young white people and everybody else needs to understand that when they come for us in the morning, mm -hmm. they'll be coming for you in the afternoon mm -hmm. and in the evening and late at night. Uh, that's the same that we learned that we've learned that we learned it in in uh, Nazi Germany. You know, there were a lot of non-Jewish people that sat back and watched them take these Jews away, put those stars on them, take them away. And then they started and then they came for the lawyers. And then they started banning the, and burning the books and they came for the teachers and then they came for the Catholics, and then they they kept coming. And by the time it by the time they came for that other pe person, that white person, that that there was nobody to stand up for him. <laughs> so we is not just you're right when they come for us. They come for everybody. Mm -hmm. So it, it behooves them to help our community and all of the and, and to to overall re overhaul the entire system so that everyone is treated equally and justly. Right. Because we are at the end of the day, we all one, you know. That's right. Yeah. Um, we might look different, we might come in different shades, but we are one. And if they master 
what they're doing on one group of people. By the time it gets to you, ooh we. <laughs> well, last time I checked, Ian didn't just stop by the white people's houses down there in Florida. Right. I mean, by the black folk houses or the Latinas houses and the Cubans and the month he stopped, Ian stopped by everybody's house. Exactly. So, you know, I don't know. We're in this together, I think. Right. <laughs> so thank you guys. This has been a great um, evening, a conversation. I didn't want to come back without you know, acknowledging the reason why we all came together in the first place. Yeah. That's because of Gerard. So I wanted to come back, you know, and talk about him and let everyone know that the moment is going to continue. <laughs> and um, we're going to still educate and we're going to still have these conversations. And until we get it together, until we don't have to have them anymore. You know, change is necessary. Mr. Abdullah, did you want to say anything? Well, just for some closing remarks, I'm, um, I, I, I admire the work that you do. And, um, the, and like I said, in, in, in raising awareness and being a voice for, you know, the others who are involved in this movement. And um, uh, like Hugo Max said to you, to you earlier, we got a lot of love and love and appreciation for you. Um, you could have stopped this show after Gerard's passing and you didn't do that. And that in itself is just amazing. It's remarkable. Um, I'm just so busy with work that I, I would like to be out here fighting more. <laughs> but, um, and then when I do get the time, I would like to continue to educate and raise awareness. And I think we are getting some results because if I look, when I look at where we were 10 or 15 years ago, when there were hardly any innocent people out here, but we're seeing, we are seeing some results. Yeah. And I have to think it's, be, it's, it's, things, it's because of the work that you do. It's, it, t it takes more than lawyers and paralegals with a big mouth like me. It takes more. It takes the community holding, holding those in power accountable. And that's what you're doing. And I thank you. Yes, even, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because even three years, I mean, I've been doing this for three years and I can still, I can see change even within the three years of me stepping into it. And it's because I didn't know. And so if I didn't know, I'm thinking about how many other people don't know. So, um, Rabatia. Oh, Jay, and oh my goodness, Mr. Hakeem and Attorney Payne, I tell you, this has been a memorable experience just today, even today. And I, I like to think of every day as a new beginning, uh, starting anew. Um, and I know that what we're doing is not in vain. And I am continuing to urge people all the time to change the narratives. Do not accept what people tell you or what has been handed down through the years. And know yourself. Take out time to know yourself. Teach your children. Teach the children. Even whether you have them or not, teach somebody's child. 
Um, and I want to tell you that I had awakening experience not long ago. I had happened upon a Curious George book. And I probably shouldn't say this, but I gave it to my daughter and said, read it to my granddaughter. And she said, not reading this. Curious George went to jail. <laughs> I had no idea even when they were little, that was a good book. But when you read it through, you see the subliminal information that was, I, I didn't believe it either. I said, you don't see it now because that, that version is not out there. But I still had that old book. And Curious George had to go to jail. And a little... You know how old children are that they have to accept that they're going to go to jail? And, and Curious George is like a child. So we have to watch. We have to, to know. We have to be aware. And we have to take a stand. And because I taught my daughter to take a stand, she could throw that book at me and said, I'm not reading this to her. And I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> and I, how easy that was to do because it was something that was always passed down. Yeah. Thank you, Jim. You're welcome. Uh, Attorney Payne, do you want to call us out? Well, I, 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 I'm so, I'm so happy to have been here tonight, and to, especially to be with you, uh, dear love. I, I'm, I'm, uh, I can't tell you enough how uh, pleased and and uh, happy to see you just striving forward and moving forward. Um, you're an inspiration to all of us, and we will stay, we'll stay with you as long as you stay. <laughs> I know because um, Mr. Hakeem, before all of this happened, we were going to come on with you and doing the Miranda rights. So we're going to get that going in the next few weeks. You and Attorney Pat come back and, you know, educate us about that. Um, we need to have that conversation at least three or four times a year um, to people don't get it but yeah we're going to be back and have that and sunday we're going to be here um because sunday is international wrongful conviction day and so we're going to have a conversation on on sunday at 6 p.m on international wrongful Con conviction day and we're going to talk about the recent ruling by the supreme court that was overshadowed by Roe versus Wade. But this is a very important conversation that we need to hear about your innocence not being enough. And this affects us all. You never know what could happen to you. So this is an important conversation that we're going to have on wrongful conviction. Day. And we're going to talk a little bit about how this affects CIUs and what's going on with that? You know these. Um, I'm, I'm sure Mr. Hakeem have a, some um, conversation about that. But how does the dog gonna affect that? So meet us back here on Sunday at noon for the conversation National Wrongful Conviction Day. I think this is like the ninth 
year for this um, day. So I look forward to having that conversation. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you for joining us as you eat your dinner. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you, Attorney Payne, for Reverend and everyone who uh, was here, I'm glad. I'm glad that you are here. And those who want to participate, thank you, and thank you for supporting me. Mm-hmm. And we will see you soon. Yeah. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night.